You're listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this very cold Wednesday morning. And uh, joining us this morning is Cruzy McCalligan. Cruz, it's great to speak to you. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm a bit nippy this morning, as I'm sure everyone in Hong Kong is. It's a little bit chilly out there. I know, it's because we're born and bred here, so that, you know, maybe we other people are like, oh, it's not that cold. But it feels really quite cold, even though it's just 12, 10 degrees. Yeah, I agree. I think Hong Kong people, we're are really resilient and problem solving and, and, you know, outgoing and all these different things, but we're not hardened to the elements of the weather. <laughs> You're right. I think that's one thing we're not. Yeah, I agree. So what have you got for our listeners this morning? A kind of a chilly topic, really. And we're talking about penguins. Oh, I love penguins. Penguins. Yes. I know, they're amazing. There's a reason I'm talking about penguins is because I recently found myself, do you know those moments that we get? as mothers where you're stuck somewhere just staring off into the distance and you could do something but you you can't maybe you're trapped under a napping baby or a breastfeeding baby or waiting for a child at school pickup or whatever it is and you don't have you have three or four minutes to yourself and you're just staring into the middle distance wondering what the hell is going on with your life anyway i recently did this <laughs> And um, I, my eyes caught a picture, like obviously got Hong Kong, Christmas coming up, everything like that, like a big billboardy picture of kind of uh, Santa Claus and the North Pole, you know, like just Christmas decorations. And he was surrounded by penguins. Oh. And I was watching, I was looking at this, and I just, I was like, something just didn't feel right. Mm-mm. Something didn't feel right about this, this image. Santa's in the North Pole. Exactly. And, and I thought, hold yeah. on a sec. <laughs> You don't get penguins north of the equator, except for the Galapagos penguin, who we'll talk about a bit later. You know, that you think that penguins are found anywhere cold, and obviously people have taken liberties with that with Christmas decorations. And they, But they primarily live in a variety of different climates across the southern hemisphere and are most concentrated in Antarctica. So the polar opposite, literally the polar opposite of the North Pole. So I was like, oh, I can't believe they've used penguins. And I was like, I feel so clever for noticing that that is incorrect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Um, but anyway, what's really, really interesting is um, penguins. Penguins themselves are absolutely fascinating. The sad thing is that a number of them, um, actually 10 penguin species, are listed as either vulnerable or endangered on the IUCN red list, making them the most second most threatened bird group in the world after the albatross. Oh, so. No. They're actually at great risk. Now, if we say that's 10 species of penguins, there are about 18 species of penguins. So, you know, um, over half of the number of penguins that we have in the world are threatened. And this is actually quite a highly debated subject in terms of penguin science. So traditionally, the number of worldwide penguin species has been listed as 17. But in 2006, this number was changed to 18 when the rockhopper penguin began to be recognized as two distinct species. There was the southern rockhopper penguin and the northern rockhopper penguin. And scientists around the world began to look more closely at other penguins and realize that they may have more species or subspecies too. So it's fascinating about penguins because they all uh, pretty similar looking, if we're being honest, within the same species, right? But actually, if you look even closer, you can see that they um, there's even more variety. Um, if we think about the origins of the penguin, that's also really fascinating because we're talking about a flightless bird, right? And the only other flightless bird I know of is the kiwi in New Zealand, um, oh. which is a very different animal to a penguin. 
Obviously, do, it lives in the forest. Do chickens or ducks fly? They fly a little bit. They kind of fly. Yeah, they can get off the ground with their wings. Okay. You know what I mean? They yeah. might not be, you know, migrating for the winter, yeah. but or they can ostrich, definitely get up. Yeah, ostriches and emus. They. Oh, oh, okay, that's true. That's also other flightless birds, but they're very different to a penguin. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. not as cute and cuddly. There you go. They're actually quite terrifying. But actually interesting you bring up emus because um, although penguins are associated with Antarctica, recent research shows that the common ancestor of modern penguins first appeared off the coast of Australia and New Zealand and some sort of South Pacific islands around 22 million years ago. Oh, and then they must have swam across and, you know. Yeah, they must have moved south, I suppose, to where the property was not as competitive and there was not as much competitive competition for resources. Um, today, you still find a penguin in Australia and New Zealand, the little blue, the, the little blue penguin, um, which stands an adorable 12 to 14 inches tall, um, which is amazing. The blue penguin, the little blue, they're the smallest penguin and they are adorable. And I've seen them. I've seen them. They spend most of their time in the ocean, actually. Um, occasionally they come out and they waddle across the road and someone takes a photo for social media. But most of the time they're, they're swimming in the sea. And I've seen them from a ferry in New Zealand. You can look out and you see little penguins swimming in the waves. I I find penguins a bit fascinating because um how they stay in a couple or something I'm just I'm just rattling my my brain I'm sure I saw it in a documentary how yes they they're monogamous for, yes that's the word I'm looking for that's yes. right they're monogamous but only for the season so they're only seasonally monogamous oh, so each breeding season uh, penguins choose a mate who they stick with for the entirety of the season. And they may or may not choose the same partner for the next year. Oh, that's so sad. I'm like, I'm like thinking, where where did I watch it from? Maybe it's some documentary. Oh, it's only a season. And that's it's okay. only a season. It's only a season. Mm. And um, okay, so we've talked about the smallest penguin, the little blue. Yes. Little there blue. is also the largest living penguin, which is. Do you have any idea? Want a hamper? I guess. Is is it what, the the king's? Um, no, I, I don't know. Oh, you're in the right family of rulers. Oh, a rulers? Think, I've never even think what would we call it? A Chinese, an ancient Chinese ruler would be the... Oh, an emperor. The emperor. Well oh, done. Yes. Yeah, the emperor penguin, which can grow up to 45 inches tall. So it's nearly four, uh, four feet in height. Whoa. That's like, <clears> a, <throat> that's like, well, that's like a child almost. Yes. Yeah, it is. Wow. It is. Four, four feet tall. So they're quite large. And what's really interesting is that fossil evidence in New Zealand, so we just talked about how they originated. We look at fossils from Australia and New Zealand. We can see that the penguin originated there. Well, fossil evidence has shown that um, there, around 30 million years ago, there were human-sized penguins. <clears throat> Say that again, Cruz. There were human-sized penguins human-sized. around 30 million years ago. No. Yep. And then, and then evolution just made them smaller. I, I guess so. Yeah, I suppose. <clears throat> yeah, maybe it's more energy efficient because if they're living in such a big area or something, I don't, I don't know. In such a cold maybe climate, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Um, <clears throat> penguins. A group of penguins has a really adorable name. So, if they're on land and they're walking together, the group is called a waddle of penguins. Oh, because they because <laughs> they waddle. I guess. Yep. <laughs> And if they're in the water, a group of penguins is called a raft of penguins. Oh, a rasp. Yeah, which I thought was just quite a nice, a great term, Isn't really. It, yeah, nice sounding word, a rasp. Of, and um, but, I'm surprised they have different terms for, for depending on the location of the penguin. 
if they're on land, then they're a, a waddle of penguins. <laughs> exactly. It's really interesting. Now, they, um, we always think about penguins as like wearing little tuxedos, right? Being yeah. black and white. Um, well, actually, their black and white camouflage has a purpose. It's called countershading, and it's a way to camouflage themselves from predators when they're swimming. So it's a very interesting, the use of light and dark, very distinctive for them, when in the water is actually very effective at hiding them from predators. Oh, yes, that's true. Um, They also they're not as cute as you think. They steal from each other to keep their babies safe. So um, if their nest for their babies like got a little bit turned over and some rocks rolled out of the way, they'll just steal them from next door from another baby's nest. (laughs) They're quite self-interested in that way. Um, uh, Another thing that makes them a little bit less cute is they can shoot poop bombs more than four feet. What? <laughs> yeah, apparently. That's completely changed how I feel about a penguin. Um, I mean, I'm impressed. Yeah. But um, yeah, anyway, um, they also they also don't have they don't have teeth, which is interesting because of how much fish they eat. They use the pointy end of their beak to help them grab the food and then they just kind of smash it up. So actually, if you look inside their mouth, it's still pretty terrifying considering there's no teeth. It's oh, kind of like a big that's... grinding system. Oh, <laughs> yeah. paint with your words. I can just imagine them just like munching on the fish. And yeah, just like... jar, jar, jar. <laughs> um, they also, they, all of them have their own distinct call as well. So they have a unique noise that helps them identify their mates in large crowds. That I find quite incredible. If you look at footage of like tens of thousands of penguins and knowing that they could hear each other above the noise of everybody else, I find that pretty amazing. Um, there's also this uh, teenage king penguins. King penguins are another type of penguin, as you mentioned earlier. They go through a molting stage where they lose their hair. And this happens when they're kind of teenagers. So it's very similar to sort of puberty. <laughs> they kind of... <laughs> They're kind of awkward in betweeny kind of teenage penguins, um, which I just find really, really adorable as well. Um, they're also very fast underwater. If you've ever seen, even just in um, Ocean Park here, if you go to see the penguin exhibit, you see how fast they can move underwater. Um, they can swim at speeds of over 10 miles an hour. And the Gentoos, the fastest type of penguin, can go as fast as 20 miles an hour. Oh, wow. I didn't know they were that fast. I, I just assumed they were just sort of bumbling around around yeah it's pretty amazing and they can dive as well i didn't realize they can dive down yeah to over 800 feet whoa yeah in the deepest dive ever recorded by the australian antarctic program an emperor penguin so that's the one that can be about four feet tall it reached a depth of 1850 feet that's That's mind-blowing that's incredible that the lung capacity that animal must have to do that considering on land it looks so ungainly just sort of waddling you're like exactly. you're not designed to exist yeah. well exactly that's what I, I was i don't mean to say they were bumbling around in the water i suppose they have to dodge all the all the predators and stuff but they just have this such a cute cuddly look to them that they look like they would be sort of more relaxed and not as fast as but it's just amazing Oh, it really is. And it's that thing of what they do to adapt to their surroundings as well. So, like, their feathers aren't just the way that they keep warm. And, like, they look like they have a bit of blubber. But actually, they also have a gland near the base of their tail that secretes a waterproof oil. So they spend many hours every day covering their feathers with this oil as a barrier against the cold. I mean, that's pretty amazing. That is amazing. Oh, I I like penguins even more now. Yeah. 
Um, and this is what makes them... One thing I found particularly remarkable when I was doing this research was that they can drink salt water. <laughs> you know, because if you think about it, I was like thinking, I was like, where would you have a fresh water supply in the Antarctic? Oh, if it's just yeah. big ice flat, it's frozen seawater, right? Isn't like a, a glacial I mean, water. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And then, you know, um, but apparently they have supraorbital gland near their eye filters, um, near, their, near their eyes, which filters the salt out of their systems and separates the salt from the water within their own bodies. That's amazing. That's yeah. Like, that's like they're boiling water or something and separating it within their own body. Well, not boiling. Within but, their own bodies. Yeah. It's, it's really the incredible. system, yes. Yeah, so I find that really, really fascinating. And I have a lot of respect for these animals now. Um, but of course, as I said, they're under so much, um, they're, they're really under huge threats as well, of course. Um, and they're not all found in cold climates. We do have African penguins and penguins in other countries which are not as cold. But most, the majority of penguins are below the um, the equator. You won't really find them above the equator. Um, and of course, they eat huge amounts of food. They have to spend all their time. I mean, it's a quite a hard existence, let's be honest. It would be a hard existence. You know, you spend all day covering yourself in oil from your bum and <laughs> swimming to depths of 800 meters. Like shooting poops. What, yeah, shooting poo, having your neighbors steal your baby's home. Oh. I mean, like, it's quite, um, it's hard quite life. a it's a quite a hard life. It really, really is, actually. Um, but, of course, there's a reason they don't live in the North Pole as well. So let's just point that out. So before we get into this thing of, like, like I understand the artistic license, and, of course, there's going to be artistic license around the fact that you have anything with Santa Claus living at the North Pole anyway. He is also not adapted to that climate. But um, the, the problem is that the North Pole is smack dab in the middle of a giant iceberg. There's no water in the North Pole for anyone to hunt. And because the ice is so thick, too, um, you know, that that's how it works. And even if you were able to put a hole into the ice in the North Pole for the penguin to go through to find fish, they wouldn't be able to get back up again. <laughs> so it's, it's actually, it's, it, they, they die of starvation. That's why a penguin cannot live in the North Pole, okay? Just pointing out, they cannot live in the North exactly, Pole. Exactly, because I think there are misconceptions for people to think that, you know, it's a cold climate, therefore they must be there as well. But no, they don't exist in the North Pole. Absolutely, and yeah, so they have they have a hard and they have a hard life, and especially the emperor penguin. As I said, you know, they traverse up to eighty kilometers across the ice to find stable breeding grounds. Then they the males get there first, then they try and attract a mate with displays and courtship calls. And then you know you might be monogamous, but you might find a new mate the next year. So you've got to go through the whole thing again. Um, <clears throat> then you've got to sit on your egg from you know for quite a long time while you're while your lady goes off into the, the, the sea to probably just have a chat with her friends, to be honest, um, in amongst like uh, hunting for fish and things like that. Um, so, yes, it's a very hard life to be an emperor penguin mm, as have, well. Yeah, respect for them. Yes. Um, I have a few quotes we can finish on today, Noreen. Yes, please. Um, so the first one is from Joe Moore, who says, it's practically impossible to look at a penguin and feel angry. That's true. That is true. Um, and uh, uh, Apsley Cherry J uh, uh, Garrard is another author who said, take it and all, take, and this is a message to, to live your life to the fullest. He basically said, take it all in all. I do not believe anybody on earth has had a worse time than an emperor penguin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you pointed out. I think out. that's also true. Yes. And this one is an anonymous quote, but is, um, I still thought it was adorable. Always be yourself unless you can be a penguin, then always be a penguin. <laughs> <laughs>
I like that a lot. Yes. Why be yourself when you can be a penguin also? Why be yourself when you be a penguin? Although, to be honest, I, I would have felt that way originally. Now I've gone um, through the facts. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. <laughs> until you know how, how hard their life is. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Cruz, for, for your time today. And I look forward uh, to more audio columns with you next week. Thank you so much.